This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Tears, because I don't know about you, but being a dad sometimes involves blood, sweat and tears, doesn't it? I spent the day yesterday mowing the lawns, getting our stripes straight. It's got to be done, guys, isn't it? Can't let the woman do the lawn because you wouldn't have straight stripes. And then I spent the afternoon clearing a block drain. Great. You know, getting in there are the stuff that uh, appears in the block drains from our house is just it's an education in itself. So after I washed myself and dusted myself down, I just noticed yesterday as I jumped in the shower after doing all uh, jobs around the house, you know, I didn't cry that day, but I certainly had sweat and I had the odd bit of blood on me uh, from being a dad. And it reminded me of uh, a time back around 2012. Uh, some of you know that Ruth and I uh, have the privilege of building our own house. Uh, if you ever get the, the opportunity to do that, it's something fantastic to do. And I can remember in 2012, uh, we had started building our house in, in Llandeilo. And um, we'd laid out the plans on the site. And uh, Owen, who was uh, project managing the site, uh, came up and we were just going through the plans and uh, we had the timber frame had started going up and we were walking around the house and I said, what's, uh, what's in this room? And he said, oh, this is where the kitchen is, right? Yeah, right, yeah, I remember. And where's this and everything? And I said, and what's this room here? And it had a, like a big door on it that he put on because it was the builder's room that, uh, that he'd built. And uh, so this is where they were going to have their sandwiches and everything else like that. And he said, um, actually, Phil, he says, uh, that's your pizza room. And I said, what do you mean? my pizza room. He says, well, Phil, he says, you've got three girls, haven't you? He said, yeah. And a wife? Yes. He said, I understand that the mother-in-law is going to come and live in the annex next door. I said, yeah. He says, so we're going to build you a pizza room. That little uh, hole there is for us to slide pizzas under for you and beer so that when you're in the doghouse and everything, you can go and live in your uh, pizza room right there. And I know I laugh about it, but on occasions... I wish we'd built the pizza room. <laughs> because I don't know about you, when it comes to parenting and when it comes to being a husband and when it comes to being a dad, it's a tough gig. It really is. It's a tough gig. And it involves blood, sweat and tears. So what I'm going to try and do today is uh, inspire some of you that are, are dads to go to, for greater and grander. And I've got a, a challenge that I want to finish uh, with, with for you guys. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at a passage of scripture again. And I've got some stories within the story for you this morning as we look through uh, God's word. And I'm going to look at three stories in the Bible that involve blood, sweat and tears. And then we're going to look at the meaning that's behind them. Is that cool with you? Come on, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, it's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And as we've already heard Matt's story this morning of your life-changing, transforming power, Lord, we pray this morning that as we hear your word, you would change our minds. It all starts there. You change our minds and you change our hearts, and then through that, you change our lives. So Lord, this morning, as we turn to your word, transform us, we ask. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, be among us. Open up our hearts to hear and open up our will so that we would do as well. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn me to the first scripture and the first story I want to share with you, which can be found in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, some of you would know this story as the story about the woman that's caught in adultery. And I'm going to be covering the subject of blood, sweat and tears in reverse order. And this story is one that links to 
tears. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and Jesus said to her, and uh, sorry, and said to Jesus, Teacher, this is the man who was, this is the, <laughs> this is the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And the, the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question to trap him in order to have a basis for he- accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older one first, until only Jesus was left, with a woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. What an incredible passage of scripture. I don't know, religious people can be really nasty sometimes. Have you noticed that? You know, people, let it be a lesson to us here at the church that we never condemn anyone. We heard Matt's story earlier and we hear so many stories, don't we? That we can condemn people sometimes. We can look down at people because we don't know their journey. And we don't know what's brought them to where they are. And sometimes in life we find ourselves in situations that are very, very tearful. Because I can tell you that woman feared for her life. I can tell you that that woman had been brought in there and she was facing death. That's what they would do. They would just stone you. And she is there facing death full of tears. And she is there and Jesus doesn't condemn her. And she probably cries all the more as she leaves because she's thinking, what is this? I was supposed to die today and I've now been set free. But I wonder how many tears there were that she cried before that occasion. You see, in the day that we talk about in the Bible, back in those days, if you couldn't find a husband or you were a widow, prostitution was... The only option for you, there was no social service, there was no state system that you could fall back. And so often women would find themselves having no alternative but to turn to prostitution. So I wonder what her story was. Was she widowed? Had she cried tears of losing her husband that had put her in this predicament in the first place that she had to sell her body? Or had she just never found someone? Had she never been good enough as a father, never didn't work hard enough in those days to try and find her a husband? Did she cry herself to sleep because she's trying to just find something in her life that she can find meaning in and connect to? Or I wonder, not just tears of widowhood or tears of trying to find a husband, was it tears of the first time? The tears of coming to the conclusion, I have no option but to sell my body. What must that be like to get so low that that's your option? What must it be like after? I have no idea. But up and down our country today and across our world, there are people that are in tears today, not just of situations like that, but all kinds of things that come their way. But I want to tell you there's hope in the tears. 
And the hope that's in the tears is that we one day meet Jesus. Can I say that again? Or you've all gone to sleep. The hope that's in our lives is one day we can meet Jesus. And he wipes the tears from our eyes and transforms our lives. Hey, I don't know if you know Jesus, but there's an opportunity for you to come to know him today too. And he will wipe away your tears. This week, I went to the Gigi's. I have never, ever been to a horse racing event in my life. It was quite an experience. And uh, I've got two colleagues that work at a company called uh, Epson, Mark and Tim. And they were good enough a couple of weeks ago to pick up the phone to me and said, Philip, have you ever been to Ascot? And I said, Ascot? Ascot? He says, yes, the horse races. Have you ever been to Ascot? I said, no, I've never been. Would you like to come? I thought, of course I'd like to come. So I had this incredible experience that somewhere I would probably never get to be in, in my life that I managed to get to the horse races this week. I was there with the Queen. Uh, she was in the royal enclosure over there. And I tell you, I've got to say the feeling of, um, that, that was looked upon when I arrived with my ticket and he said... I, I, uh, Queen's Enclosure? And I said, yes. And he said, from Wales, are you? And I said, um, yes. And he just looked at me with that, are you sure you're at the right entrance? I'm pretty sure you're supposed to be mucking up the horses over there, young man. Uh, look that he had on me, because I'm not royalty, am I? You know, I was the pauper amongst the gentry over there. But I went to Ascot, and I tell you what, how amazing it is to just see how the super-rich live. It was an eye-opener. How all the cars and all the champagne. I have never been in a with a place with such opulence in my life as I did. So who wants a gift from Ascot? Who likes chocolates here? Hands up. Oh, we, all, the, all the guys have had chocolates. So any of the women like chocolate here this morning? Uh, where are we? Oh, my mother has got her hands up. So I'm afraid um, life would not be worth living if mum doesn't get the chocolate. So I have chocolate here, Royal Ascot. I don't know if it's the Queen's uh, chocolatier that put this together, but there's some chocolate for you shaped in a horse's head. There we are, hand that all the way back. No connection between the horse's head there and you, mum. Enjoy the uh, chocolate. But you know, even the rich find themselves in lonely places sometimes. Even the rich sweat. The rich find themselves often in situations that they've been blessed, a lot of them with the entrepreneurship and the talent to be able to make money, and they find themselves in very lonely places. So turn with me to Luke's Gospel and chapter 19, where we look at a separate, separate story as we move from looking at, uh, looking, moving from tears and looking at blood. And we're going to look at a story of a very short man. How many of you know that God blesses short people? Amen. Amen. And this particular passage of scripture is a very dear place in my heart because it was after reading the story of Zacchaeus, the shortest, shortest man, actually the second shortest man in the Bible. The shortest man in the Bible is Nehemiah. Okay. Uh, Turn me to Luke chapter 19 where we read the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. You know, you might think you're just passing through church this morning, but Jesus has got a plan for you. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. 
He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. I know that feeling. Do you know that feeling, Tom? Tom's tallest man in church? No, Tom towers over everybody all the time. But me, I've got to always kind of do all this kind of stuff. But Zacchaeus, being the entrepreneur that he is, he's got another way. So he ran ahead, says verse 4, and climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. What a great story. But I can bet you that that wealthy man called Zacchaeus had to sweat. I think he probably maybe perspired a little climbing up the tree and a few things. But I bet he broke into a sweat when Jesus walked by and he just randomly looking down at him. And Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if I just called your name now and said to you, Fred. Is there a Fred here? Or a Jack or a Tom? If I call you, you, you would just What's going on? You'd get anxious, you'd begin to sweat. And if you didn't sweat at that, I am pretty sure if you're a wealthy person and, and you, as a result of coming to Christ, made a big public declaration that you're going to right every wrong and pay it all back. I don't know if he did it out of just a spur of the moment thing or whether he meant it. I don't know. But one thing I do know is that he declared it. He said publicly, and I'm pretty sure he had to carry it out, because everybody then was looking at him and seeing his life and he better have paid back and given his wealth to the poor. And I bet you to see some wealthy people part with their cash sometimes, I want to tell you, I've seen them sweat. So there he is in the middle of this situation where he finds himself meeting with Jesus and Jesus changes his life. How cool is that? And I don't know where you are, because we talked earlier on of somebody like uh, the woman caught in adultery who has no name. But this guy has got a name. She's maybe so low that she's in a position that she thinks she has no option. And quite often at church and in the community of believers that God has called us to be, sometimes we look down at people. But you know, there's another class of people that we can look down on sometimes. And we don't look down on them in the same way. We can look down at the wealthy. We can look down at those that were Monday, because, I, I, you know, listen, we've got lots of bills that we need to pay as a church because God's given us a great mission to reach the lost, haven't we? And we need money to be able to do that, don't we? Okay, it's just me that thinks we need money to be able to go and, you know, pay people, resource people, do things in our community. So, listen, I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and I want, to say, I want you to, to say amen with me. God, will you send millionaires into this church, like Zacchaeus, so that they can give all of what we have to the poor, and all of that we can make a difference. Amen? amen. But they're not going to come if we look at them with disdain either. If we have the attitudes of those that were around there that said to Jesus, the one who was equally comfortable amongst the adulterous, was equally comfortable amongst the wealthy. And he said, I am coming to your house for tea. 
I'm going to try that. I'm going to go and walk up to a couple of millionaires and say, hey you, I'm coming to your house for tea. I don't think I'll get very, very far. But whether we're finding ourselves in situations that are tearful or situations that even make us sweat, thank God that Jesus is the one that comes in to those circumstances. Do you know, purpose is an incredible thing, isn't it? To find your life uh, being worked out in a fulfilling, meaningful way. Do you know, if you're a dad here this morning, you shouldn't take that for granted. You've been blessed with children. There are some people that don't find themselves in that situation sometimes. And the purpose that's played out in our lives sometimes that we get to be in relationship and to belong and to love is something that we should never, ever take for granted. But there's something that I always love hearing about and it's when people find their life's purpose and they find themselves in that sweet spot of what they have finally found that they were called to do. And I'm inspired at the moment. I've got uh, a friend of mine called Laura Rennie that I've uh, come to know over the last uh, couple of months. And Laura has left a boring job that she had and has started her own uh, HR business, helping people with HR issues. And you know, uh, when you talk to her, you cannot fail to hear everything about her, that she feels so fulfilled and happy in her work. How many of you are happy in your work? Great to have satisfaction in our work. But you know, my last story is a story that's wrapped in blood. And sometimes, for whatever reason, I would love to, as we turn to this last story that we're going to look at and close with. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I'd love to know what's the story behind the story. Because we can pretty much work out what the story behind the story is for the adulteress. We can pretty much work out what the story behind the story was for Zacchaeus, that clearly he was a tax collector and he'd top-sliced a lot of the funds that he had. But if we turn across to Luke chapter 23 to our last story, we hear this incredible passage of scripture that is listed for us where Jesus finds himself at the cross. And Jesus is crucified on the cross and either side of him are two men. Turn with me to Luke chapter 23 and verse 32 where we can read Luke's account of the story. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. He's referring to the people that are crucifying him. And they, referring to the soldiers and everything, divided up his clothes by casting lots, betting at the foot of the cross while some people are dying. Verse 35, the people stood watching the rulers, uh, sorry, the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him and said, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him and said, don't you fear God? 
since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he turned, said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom? Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. I find that verse 42 and verse 43 personally really, really inspiring. I, what I find inspiring about it is I can tell you if I was being crucified on a cross or if I was in pain, or if I was going through blood, sweat and tears, Jesus going through all three of those right there on the cross. The last person I'd be thinking about would be anybody else. I'd be thinking about myself. But Jesus being the compassionate saviour that he is, at the side of the cross, turns to another nameless person on the cross and says, today you will be with me in paradise. And the thing is this about this story that we finish with, and it's a story that's washed in blood, isn't it? Because Jesus and the other two lost their lives on the cross, bled to death. What's the story behind the story here? Were there wrong choices that that person had made that ended up there, that he's on the cross? Clearly, he's admitting his own guilt and he knows that he's there because of his own choices that he has made. But, you know, sometimes the choices that we make in life are the, the mistakes that we make get us into predicaments that, you know, we even spill blood over it. Sometimes we think, how on earth did it end here? But I want to tell you that there's hope in that story too. And that hope was that he too bumped into Jesus. Jesus came his way too. And he found himself in eternity because of an encounter that he had with Jesus. So what's the story behind the story? I want to finish with this. The story behind the story, you see, of the story of tears and the story of blood and the story of sweat, is that they are linked in a deeper story, which is a story that's about purpose. Because psychologists will tell us that we need three things to live a fulfilled life. The first thing we want is we want to be loved. And if there was a story that the adulteress could say, it was the story that she really, really wanted to be loved. The second thing that we're all looking for, according to psychologists, is we're looking for belonging. Do you know, as human beings, we, we are wired for community. We are wired to be together in family units. There's nothing like being together. The young people are going away to rock nations. There's nothing like being away and spending time together because we are wired for community. And the story that's behind the story of Zacchaeus is as a tax collector, he found himself marginalized because he was despised. And with all of his wealth and all of what he had, he was probably a lonely man. How do I know that? Well, I've met enough wealthy people and shared with them. And even while I was away at Ascot this week, I was sat next to someone and had a conversation with them. And we started, because you know me, I only need two seconds to try and bring an opportunity around to talk about Jesus, don't I? And I ended up talking with this person, and there we are in the middle of it all. This guy's probably a multi, multi-millionaire. And I end up having a conversation with him, he says, because I thought by the time I would get to where I am today, I thought I would be happy and content with my life, Phil. And I'm not. I've got everything, but I feel as if I have nothing.
And that's the story of many of us. We're looking for belonging. And the final meaning behind the story is the one third thing that psychologists tell us we need. So firstly, we want love. Secondly, we want belonging. But thirdly, we want purpose and meaning. And clearly, the guy at the cross had not found purpose or meaning in his life through wrong choices, whatever had happened. He was acknowledging that he had made some mistakes that got him into the predicament that he was in. And I want to tell you this morning that all of them had an end to their story that was really, really good. Whichever way you look at it. So the adulterer got to live another day. Zacchaeus probably turned into one of the most popular guys in town. And the guy, even though he dies on the cross, he finds himself in paradise. That justice took its path. He found himself in heaven with Jesus. And it all happens around the person of Jesus. And I want to tell you today that if you are looking for love, if you are looking for belonging, if you are looking for purpose, you can find it in one person. And that's in Jesus. You heard Matt's story earlier where Matt is telling you all of what his journey was about and how God met him at his point of need. So it's tough to get your head around is this subject of grace. It's tough to get your head around over why someone who dies 2,000 years ago can bring meaning to our lives. And if you're like me, even though I made that decision to come to Christ years and years ago, do you know what? I'm still working it out. As we sang that song earlier, I come back to where I belong. I'm still trying to work it out how I get to be here doing this. I'm still trying to work it out how God loved me so much that he gave his son for me. I still can't work it out. But all I know is since I turned my life over to him, I have never felt so loved. I have never felt such love of understanding that there is one who has a plan for me. He doesn't condemn me. He doesn't judge me. He wants me to come and bathe in his grace. And that time of grace is not mine forever. He's going to judge us one day for the day we live our lives. But for now we can come while we have the opportunity to say, I'm going to come back to you, Jesus. And we can make the decision like the woman caught in adultery. I don't know, I'm pretty sure she probably did go ahead and sinned no more. Unless she found herself back in that same situation again. I'm pretty sure Zacchaeus went and did all, all of what he had publicly declared he would do. And we know for certain that the guy did die on the cross. But I want to give you an opportunity today. Because do you know what? Coming to Jesus is as simple as ABC. It's as simple as being obedient to Romans 3.23 that tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And when we say it's as easy as ABC, all we have to do is we have to admit, believe, and confess. We have to admit, just like the thief on the cross, just admitting that we've done wrong. Now, it might not be big sins for you, but one thing we have all got to agree with is that we do life for ourselves, don't we? Some of us that are Christians now, we even struggle with it, don't we? Trying to kill our old ways of thinking. Trying to kill all those things that are about us and the way that we live. But we've got an opportunity. Even though we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we've got the opportunity to come back to where we belong.
so that we can find true love. The second thing we need to do is we need to believe. We need to believe not in ourselves, not in some positive mental attitude, not in some kind of weird mystic stuff. We believe in the truth of God's word that tells us that he was the very son of God that came to purchase our freedom. We've got to say, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he died and that he rose again for me. We've got to believe. John 3 verse 16 tells us the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And thirdly, we need to confess. We need to come to him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry for the way in which I lived my life. Will you come into my heart? Will you help me live for you? Will you turn my life around? And that's got consequences upon us. It's the biblical principle is called repentance. Just like Zacchaeus did, that we right the wrongs. And we turn another way and we put right those things in our lives that we have to do. Don't ever believe those people that tell you that you come to Jesus and you can live as you are. It should come with a government health warning on it. You come to Jesus, he'll change your life. But I tell you what, you'll have to get rid of lots of you. Have to get rid of lots of stinking thinking that we've got in our lives that prevents us from aligning our lives across the path that he had for us so that we don't get ourselves into trouble in the first place. Because if we accept, we'll have his love. If we believe, we get his belonging. And if we confess our sins, we really learn what it is to live life on his purpose. So we don't have to settle for blood, sweat and tears anymore. We can settle for love, belonging and purpose through the life-changing work of Jesus Christ. Pray with me, will you? If you're listening online, I'm giving you the opportunity right now to pray with me too. I'm giving you the opportunity that where you are, even with your headphones plugged in right now, or quietly watching in your study. Or maybe two, three o'clock in the morning, you're even watching this as your wife is asleep in bed next to you. I'm giving you the opportunity right now to close your eyes with me. And say this prayer and come back to where you belong. Say this prayer with me. Father God, I admit my shortcomings. I'm sorry for the way I've lived my life. I believe in you, Jesus. I'm reaching out to you right now in the middle of my confusion. I don't know whether to run, whether to hide, but something is drawing me to you. I believe in you right now, Jesus. And I come and I confess, Lord, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. I'm sorry the way that I've treated you. I'm sorry the way that I've treated people. I confess my sins right now and I ask you, will you forgive me? Come into my heart right now, I ask. Lord, give me the strength to stand for you. Give me the strength to align my will and my life and my purpose with you. I ask in Jesus' name for his praise and for his glory. Come on, let's sing this song again, can we, Paul? Coming back to where I belong and then 
Mark is going to close. Thank you. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.